0: We count it a joy and a privilege to be able to share with you the best news ever given. It's called the gospel, the good news. Amen. In your Bibles, if you turn with me to John, the gospel of John, that is the gospel of John in chapter 1. I'm going to pick up with verse 4 through 8. In him was life, and the life was the light of men. The light shines in darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. He came as a witness to bear witness about the light that all thing that all might believe through him. He was not the light, but came to bear witness about the light. Amen. Amen. In this particular section we talked about earlier about the, the whole aspect of, in the beginning, God. And we talked about God's co-eternal, co-existed, uh, existence between God and, and his relationship to the Son and the Holy Spirit. But in this particular section, I thought it was interesting that uh, in verse 4, he says, in him, that is Christ, was life. And that life was the light of men. And going back on what he had said in the previous verses, which ties in with Genesis chapter 1, in the beginning God created, and that God is the author of creation, and that Jesus himself is the one who has created all things, and all things exist uh, because of him. Uh, It's good to know that one of the aspects that he talks about in verse number 4 is that in Christ is life. The fact that he is the very one the very beginning of time, before there was even time, they gave life, John comes right back to this and says, in him, that is in Jesus, was life. And the life that he gave was the light of men. And the analogy is that in Christ we have life, not just physical life, but we also have spiritual life because he's going to tell us that the re- throughout the book of John that one of the reasons Jesus came was not to give us just physical life, but he came to help us even spiritually. And we need that spiritual aspect in our life because even though we may be alive and breathing and active, the one component that we definitely need to have, have first place in our life is that spiritual aspect of our life. For the majority of mankind does not know how to live spiritually apart that Christ himself does not give that to us. And he says, the light that was given shines in darkness and the darkness has not overcome him. The life of Christ ever so shines in the midst of darkness. That's not just a a physical aspect, but that's also even spiritually. I told you, I think it was maybe last week or the week before that, if you're ever in a dark room, all you need is just a flicker of light, and darkness has to leave. And if Jesus is not just only our life, but he's also the light, and that word light comes from the Greek word phos, which we get the word photography, and all those other words that are coordinated with that. He says that the light that comes through Christ, the light that is Christ, shines in darkness. And you don't have to be a rocket scientist to realize that we live in a dark time in our world today. The satanic forces, the demonic forces of this world I was ruling over and impacting a lot of people's minds. A lot of bad things are happening in this world today. We're doing everything else but living for Christ or living for God. The recognition of who God is, and that's why John spent part of that time in the first few verses there trying to get across that, listen, there is a God who is the creator of this universe. And whether man believes it or not, we all have to answer to him. The reason why we answer to him is because he is the source of life. And since he gives life, he is the source of life, nothing, nothing exists in this world without him, then ultimately he who is the creator has a right to tell we, the creature, what to do. The creator, or the creature does not tell the creator. The creator tells the creature. And that's a hard sell in our culture today because majority of people, more so than a few of us that are here today, the vast majority of people do not believe there's a God. They can, they can be like with Paul when Paul went into the city and they said, to the unknown God. And what did, what did Paul have to do? He had to present the gospel, had to present a presentation to let them know that there is not a... Such a thing as an unknown God. The God that you say that you do not know can be made known and has made himself known in the person of Jesus Christ. So there is no such thing as who is God or where is God. John, at the beginning of his gospel and throughout the rest of the gospel, if you stick with me as we go through it, he's going to let us know that we can believe that there is a God and that God himself Lord himself and came back, came down to earth in the person of his son. And throughout the Gospel of John and throughout the word of God, but particularly in the Gospel of John, Jesus is going to let us know that, hey, you want to know who God is? When you see me, you see God. For me, the Father and I are one. You can't divide God up. Now, we say God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, but there are three distinct personalities, but it's only one God. Amen? And he says, listen, the light, who is Christ, shines in darkness. Even though it looks bad, all it takes is a flicker of light and that darkness has to escape. He says, the light that is Christ doesn't just flicker, but it shines in darkness. And here's the good news. And the darkness has not overcome it. In other words, the darkness has not overcome the light. And the darkness will never overcome the light because Jesus Christ is light and the darkness can never, ever take over the light. The word overcome comes from a Greek word, katalambano, which means to seize, to overcome, to overpower, to hold without losing its grip. Guess what? Satan has lost his grip on this world. Satan will not overcome what Christ has already set in motion. Satan will never seize or overpower the works of God. Why? Because God is bigger and greater and will always be greater than the darkness, which is wrapped up in the person of, the, of Satan. Oh, somebody could say, well, Satan came from heaven, blah, blah, Yes, right. But there's only one God, and God is a jealous God. And when Satan, Lucifer, said that he wanted to be equal with God, God let it be made known that there is nobody will ever be like me or equal to me. There's not, there's not room up here for both of us. One of us has got to go, and guess what? It's not me. It's you. It's like some of us in our house. You know, we got kids, we got people running around, and every now and then they think that all of a sudden they are equal to mom and dad. You know, they get bigger, they get stronger, they, they think because they, they got a little tinky, tinky job and they can buy a little thing, and all of a sudden they're going to tell you what you, what they will or will not do in your house. Amen. Now, I understand most, a lot of us parents are allowing that stuff to go on, but I'm going to tell you one thing. That ain't flying in my house. There's only, there's only one king in, in my house. And you're looking at him. And I ain't apologizing because I call myself king. Man, room for no, we, this is not my home is not run with a democracy that everybody gets a voice to express what they like to do, especially when they were little. Oh no, 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 no. You, don't, you appreciate it, but th- there's only there's this is this is mama daddy rule. Kids either do it or not. That's how God is. God's like, wait a minute, I'm the creator. I have listen, devil, you will never overcome. Ever. Whatever the devil is doing right now, it's only because of God's permissiveness. God's allowing it. Anytime God gets tired of the devil, which he will eventually, it's a done deal. It was all wrapped up when he went to Calvary, when he went to the cross, when he died, when he got up out of the grave. That was the, the, the defeat of everything Satan could ever do. Because when Jesus was in the grave... The darkness thought it had won. Oh, we, the devil thought, got it. Why do, you think, why do you think the Gospels keep talking about, one of the main themes is about Jesus going to the cross. He had to go to the cross, not just to save us, but he had to go to the cross because the devil thought that if he could get Jesus and kill him, then that would be the end of God and all that God is and ever would be. But what he failed to realize is he was already defeated back in Genesis. Now, he's done a whole lot of havoc in the world and is doing and will do. But he's already been defeated. For when Jesus got up, up, out of the grave, he defeated Satan. There is now no longer power over. He no longer has power over us. Sin, death, and the grave. A done deal. You and I do not have to sin. We choose to sin. We have power over sin. Over the power, the presence, and the penalty of sin what, because of what Jesus did. You say, well, pastor, I, I sin all the time. I, that's right. You and I do. But that's because of our own human weakness. But me, make no mistake that if you study your Bible and you read the word of God, you and I have the power over sin. Why? Because we have Jesus. Now, if sin has any power over, over us, it's because we allow it to. Whatever it is that we're doing, we enjoy, and we are not committed enough to say, "Well, you know what, the word of God has already told me that I'm not to do this, but I like doing this. I enjoy doing this. And I really don't see anything wrong with this doing this, so I want to do it. But well, you don't have to. We give our will over to it. That's number one, the power. The penalty of sin was death? No. Not just physical death, but eternal death, separation from God. We already got that fixed. Jesus did that for us on the cross. My faith in Christ means that the penalty of death, which is eternal damnation from God, is no longer applicable to me. And the reason why it's not applicable to me or cannot be applied to me is because I, one day in my life, claim Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior. And the moment I said yes to Jesus, and I believe in his power, I believe who he is, I believe that I want to live and glorify him. The moment I said that and do those things, the penalty of sin has been taken away. I've been given an eternal clemency from God. You know what clemency is, don't you? You know, every now and then somebody does something and people run if they did or didn't do it. And they appeal to the governor or they appeal to the president. And he has the final authority. He can say, you know what, based on what I look at and see, I really don't think this person is guilty. So, therefore, I am given clemency. He's not going to be punished for his crime. I am not punished for my crime that I committed by God before God because of what Christ did for me on the cross. So, not only the power... And the presence of the penalty, but also the presence of sin. Sin no longer has dominion over me. I live in a sinful world. But thanks be to God, I have the victory over sin. Amen. I mean, we ought to be shouting right now because we who are messed up can now thank God, thank Christ for what He did for us and say, Thank you, Jesus. Because the light shines. In the darkness of this world. In the darkness of my life. But good news is the darkness has not overcome it. The darkness has not seized it. The darkness has not overpowered it. Because it can't. Because of who Jesus is. If I said no more than that. You got the power this week to go out and live in the power of Jesus Christ. Right now. If I said nothing else beside that. You've got all you need to be victorious in Jesus So when you look at that verse, you say, well, well, wait a minute. There's a light by the name of Jesus. And that light shines not only in the darkness of this world, but that light shines in the darkness of my life. But the good news is the second part. Oh, but thank you, Jesus. That darkness that's in me, that darkness that lies around me, I thank you. You've overcome it. And if he's overcome it, and you are part of who he is, guess what? You too have what? Overcome. Isn't that simple? Doesn't that make sense? Then why do we walk around here acting defeated? Why do we have such sad sacks on our face so many times? We ought to be, God, thank you. I woke up this morning, I saw the sun shining, and I, I heard the birds chirping. I got here early this morning, and I'm looking, and I'm thinking, man, God, this is you're wonderful. You're awesome. I mean, I can't help but say thank you. You know, some of us are going to go out to eat today. Now, if you go to a place and you have a nice thick steak sitting on your plate, or pork chops, or I'm not making you hungry, but I'm not trying to do that. You can rejoice and say, "Oh, thank you, Jesus, that somewhere the cattle on a thousand hills." That there was some cow that was nice and fat enough that he is now sitting before me. And I am going to enjoy every bite of what I'm about to eat. I ain't going to apologize. I'm just going to thank you, Jesus, for the food I'm about to eat. Because I'm going to enjoy it. See, we don't approach life like that. We just come in, oh, okay. Cut, 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 you eat. And away we go. Thank the Lord for the greens the green beans, or whatever, whatever we've got live before us, we ought to thank the Lord because he's the one that caused these things to grow. He's caused these things to be in existence. He's allowed us to taste and enjoy. I mean, if, if, if you've got a nice piece of strawberry pie, oh, rejoice because evidently the season was good for strawberries. Yeah, we put all that other disgusting stuff in there. But it's good. Say, thank you, Lord. But here's how we do it. We eat it, and then we think, oh, I shouldn't eat that. That's 895 calories. <laughs> and I, uh, I'm going to have to figure out how to exercise now so I can burn this off. So you ate it with the idea of enjoying it, and then you're going to turn right around and say, how am I going to burn this off? So really, you really didn't enjoy what you ate. Now, everything, the Bible I right, gives us a solution to our big problem. Everything is to be done in moderation. That means every now and then you can enjoy a steak, you can enjoy your bacon, you can enjoy your eggs, you can enjoy your strawberry pie, you can enjoy whatever. But when you and I do this, we do this all the time. We don't know what the word moderation means. Instead of having a piece like this, we want a piece like that. <laughs> Instead of having a steak the size of maybe by fist, we want about the size of this rostrum here. And I wonder why. The doctor says, you got high blood pressure, brother. You need to do some exercise, sister. And we don't do it. The same approach we have in life is the same way I look at us spiritually many times. God has already solved our biggest problem. God's already told us what to do. You know what our problem is? We don't want to do what the doctor by the name of Dr. Jesus tells us we need to do. Because what we tell God is, I don't want to do that. I don't have to do that, and I'm not going to do that. And then we wonder why we have spiritual high blood pressure. We wonder why we have spiritual anxiety problems. We wonder why we have spiritual aches and pains. Because we're not listening. We're not obedient to Dr. Jesus' prescription. Did I not see Dr. Mwanza here earlier? Did he have to leave? Or is he out somewhere? Anyway, hey, talk to him about it. He writes the prescription. I was telling somebody the other day, it amazes me how we approach God. Somebody said, I'm the only person that could ever tell me what to do is God himself. Be careful. That's what Israel asked. They got tired of hearing. We want to hear from God. God said, okay. So you want to hear from me? Oh, okay. And they didn't get the full voice of God. They just got the rumblings. And that was enough for them to say, whoa, 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 wait a minute. We changed our mind. We want to hear Moses. We, we thought we wanted to hear from you, but, oh, your holiness, your righteousness, and who you are, it just it just overwhelmed us. God talks to us through his word. You want to know how to live right? You want to have what well, Jesus says, he, he is the Lord. He is the way. He is the truth. It's right here. We just need to be obedient. The light shines in darkness and the darkness has not and never will overcome it. But there was a man, sent from God, whose name was John. He came as a witness to bear witness about the light that all might believe through him. Now catch that. The all might believe what? Through him. Not in him, but through him. Now, if you're, if you're a student of the Bible, you're looking at the Gospel of John, and all, all John says is, there was a man sent from God. In other words, he didn't go on his own. God sent him. That's the problem we got in the world today. There are many that are going, but few are sent. That's our problem. Oh, <laughs> And do that ain't hey, no that's a piece of cake you just stand up you open the bible you just spew out stuff piece of cake I think I want to be a preacher I think I want to be a pastor I think I'm, okay that's what you say what did God say why guys drop out of the ministry because they went on their own they didn't have the, 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 the anointing of God on their life because this is not an easy life No way! No how. Hmm. But catch what he says: there was a man sent from God, whose name was John. This John is John the Baptizer, not the John that's writing the book, but John the Baptizer. All right, with me? Are you with me? He came as a what witness? All he was doing was to bear witness about the light, who is Jesus. He is to be the witness. Guess what? I thought this was interesting. The word witness comes from the Greek word martia, from which we get the word martyr. You know what a martyr is? Guess what? He came as a martyr to bear witness about Jesus, who is the light. That all might believe through him. Not through John the baptizer, but might believe through Jesus. If you believe, you believe because of the witness of John the Baptist about Jesus Christ. If somebody comes to Christ today, they don't come because of you. They come because of your witness. Ain't nobody ever come to this church because of me? Are you nuts? I'm messed up. I ain't got no power to save anybody. I don't want to save anybody. I'm impossible for, is to be a witness. Which means, guess what? For all of us who don't like to be witnesses, that sometimes being a witness means that you may have to be a martyr. You afraid of people talking about you? You afraid of people not liking us? Are we afraid to go out and be a martyr for Jesus? The martyr had no control over his life. Sometimes his life was taken because of the very thing That he was doing. And we're going to learn later on. That John the baptizer. Is going to be beheaded. Because of his witness. Well. King Agrippa was messed up. He was messing with somebody's wife. He should have been messed with. And John was bold enough to say. Guess what. The woman that you're with right. Is not your wife. And you need. And you know how we are. When people tell us what we need to do. Don't tell me. That I need to do that. Who are you? And that's what the king said. His wife said, oh, "We got it. It's convicting in here, and I need to. We need. We need to get rid of John. So she erased it. Had his head taken off. In fact, bring me his head when you get done. There it is. It's a done deal. All because John stood for the truth. John said what he should have been said. But you know how we are. That might believe through him. Now here it is. I'll come to a close. John was not the light. He was not the source. By which ultimately salvation would come. No. Even though he was baptized. Even though he baptized Jesus himself. Remember. John was out there baptizing. And we're going to learn. He says. Behold the Lamb of God. Who what? Takes away the sin of the world. And John says, whoa, 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 whoa. you're God, you're the Lamb of God. You're the one that's going to die. you're the one that's going to save us. you're the one that's going to take away the penalty of sin. I'm not worthy to, I'm not even worthy to, to untie your shoes. And Jesus, says, that's all right. Suffer it to be so for now. Yeah, we're good. I'm willing to submit, which is a word we don't like to talk about. that's a whole other discussion. I'm willing to submit now to you because John understood his place he was not the light he was said to what? bear witness of the light he understood his place that's why we need to find out for ourselves what's my place where do I fit in in the program of what God wants done I can't do that for you Only you can do that for yourself. Amen, lights and walls. He says, I'm not it. I'm not the guy, but I am because I've been sent. I've I've got my directive. I've got my instructions from God. This is what I'm going to do. I'm to bear witness. I'm to talk about. I'm to preach. I'm to go baptize people because there's one coming who's mightier than I, and they need to know about the light. And guess what? You and I need to know about the light today. We are responsible, whether we like it or not, to take the light of the gospel into the darkness that is in this world. Somebody says, I don't want to go. You don't have a choice. Either, you, either we go and obey or we don't go and we disobey. Say so where do you get that from? Go you therefore into the nations. Baptizing and teaching them but all the things that they need to know the go but the the, the, the directive the, the command is we're to make disciples and we're to teach that's our directive not just the pastor, but all of us in our own sphere of influence are to be teaching and making disciples. For Jesus, my last statement, convicting is is going to be for all of us, from from the desk, from me, to the back. Nobody's going to escape this one. My question to all of us, in light of the command of Jesus to go, in light of the command to make disciples, in light of the command to teach, my question from the pastor to the youngest member of this church, if they're here, whatever, is how many disciples have you made? To whom are you teaching? And to whom are you asking to observe all the things that the Bible says we're to do? Don't worry about your neighbor. You have that conversation between you and God. And if you and I have been in church for all these years, it's a sad indictment on us, and not just here at Cornerstone, but at any other church, that we cannot, honestly say before God that we have ever led anybody to Jesus. We have never discipled anybody. Yeah, you're right. That's why you're not going to say amen. I ain't going to say it because it's very convicting. And that's what the Bible teaches. You say, I don't get that. You show me in the Bible. If you really want to know, I can sit down and show you. But it's throughout the whole Bible. It's throughout the whole New Testament. The very command of what he just said there, go and make disciples. You don't need nothing else but that. I'm not coming up with anything new. This has been in the Bible for years. Now, whether it's been taught and preached is a whole other issue, but it's in there that we are responsible to disciple one another, to teach, to instruct, to lead, to encourage. We get people who join. Somebody ought to say, you know what? We ought to have been on the journey. If you've been on the journey long enough, you and I ought to be able to take somebody and say, hey, We're going to meet at such a time, and I'm going to to walk you through how to read the Bible, how to study, how to have a quiet time, how to pray, the the importance of coming to church, the importance of, of using your talent and skill, all those things that make up who we ought to be. I'm willing to take the time to disciple you in these things because you don't know, and you need to be taught. And I'm willing, if you're willing, to show you. Father, we thank you for your word.